I'm going to jump right into Scripture, right at the beginning. Okay. We're there. Right. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the Scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. By this he meant the Spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not been glorified. Out of the heart flow rivers of living water, or some translations, out of the innermost being, or innermost belly. But before I look at this in a little more detail, we need to look at the context in which Jesus was saying this. It wasn't a teaching to a small crowd or a select few. He stood up and proclaimed loudly to a large crowd that were there to observe the Jewish religious rituals associated with the Feast of Tabernacles, or booths, being the third most important feast in the Jewish calendar behind Passover and Pentecost. So during this harvest feast, the Israelites would live in booths or temporary shelters to remind them of God's care for them in the wilderness when he provided manna and water from the rock. Let's just have a look at the, the first photos I've got up there. Now, that's a photo of Caesarea. And also, I've got photos of booths. So, the, these feasts and these religious um, ceremonies are still recognized in Israel, and they have a public holiday at this time, similar to Easter here, where some observe it and some go to the beach. There's the contrast as well. It's the same in that country. Booths are still erected at this time in backyards or on rooftops, but mainly used for meals. So people will have a, a meal in them. They'll have a table and a meal, but they won't actually live in them. But the religious Jews will still erect them, and they'll put the palm fronds on the top. That's part of the process. There's somebody selling palm fronds. There's heaps of them, and you'll see them walking down the street, carrying them and putting them on top of their booths. So they will spend time in those areas. So some people actually still, you know, have the old traditions, and they keep those traditions. The next uh, picture there, you'll also find that uh, tourist attractions are uh, either closed or they're open over a short time because it's a, it's a public holiday. And at these feast time, the, the Wailing Wall is absolutely packed. Um, and you can see they actually bring chairs and tables and they spend a long time there praying and reading uh, the Old Scriptures, not the New Testament. You won't find a New Testament in there, <laughs> but the Old Testament, <laughs> they'll be reading that. And you can see a close-up picture there uh, of an Orthodox Jew, and you can see the pieces of paper that people have slipped into the cracks uh, in the Wailing Wall. Anybody been there? Anybody been to the Wailing Wall? Okay. Anybody else want to go? Okay, see us afterwards. <laughs> 2008, if you want to go. 2018, sorry. Time travel. (laughs) 
And then I'll throw another picture up, the next one up here. This is what I want to just talk about at the moment. During Jesus' time, the feast was also characterized by daily procession led by a priest carrying a golden pitcher of water down from the pool of Siloam, which you can see down there at the bottom. He would then return to the temple and pour this water into a bowl at the base of the altar, allowing it to overflow onto the ground. At the same time, another priest did the same with a jug of wine, both symbolizing the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as predicted by Isaiah. So that had been going on a long time as God was prophesying the coming of the Holy Spirit. So the, the religious festival, the religious um, scriptures pointed to the Holy Spirit coming. So that's the context where Jesus Christ has stood up and proclaimed that it is now here. And as it says in Isaiah, with joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And for I will pour water on the thirsty land and streams on the dry ground. I will pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. You see, this, this jugs, those bowls there, can I just go back to that one? Uh, Riley, it was the, the bowls were designed to be smaller than the amount being poured into them. So there's that overflow. You can picture that overflow. It wasn't just filling up the bowls and they were filled to be contained. It was designed to be overflowed, all right? Rivers of living water. So this was a big deal, announcing to the Jews, especially the religious Jews, that he was the source of living water, especially as they... As they attempted to throw Jesus off a cliff, remember, the first time he had anointed, they wanted to kill him. So it was a big deal for him to stand up there and then talk about the Holy Spirit. He boldly announced his arrival as the Messiah while reading from Isaiah in the synagogue. And I'll just remind you of that as scripture. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All right, he's anointing his his coming. He's anointing the purpose of his life. But then he then brings us into it by telling us that rivers of living water will flow through him and through us. The crowd was larger this time. They had gathered to observe that ritual, as I was saying before. It went right back to Moses' day. And Jesus was stating a fact. It was a fact that the Holy Spirit was about to enter the world stage through firstly himself and secondly through us as believers. In other words, you and me. Jesus promised believers rivers of living water. Not a trickle, not a slow dripping tap, but rivers of refreshing and power flowing from our hearts, as some translations say, from our innermost being. The thought of the Holy Spirit th flowing through me is not a challenge because that's what I want. It's the way Jesus describes it, rivers, plural, rivers of living water will flow. That challenges me, and it should challenge you as well. Jesus said, he who believes in me, all right, we've ticked that box, we believe in him, that's me. 
out of his heart will flow, sometimes, out of his heart will flow, that's me again, sometimes, yes. But does it always? Rivers of living water, and I'm not sure about the volume. So if we look at our own hearts, we can say, okay, the, he said a fact that out of my heart, rivers of living water will flow. Not one river. Even one river would be enough if you've ever tried to cross a river. A river, all right? One river. But he says rivers of living water will flow out of our hearts. Are you experiencing that? Am I experiencing that? Or can it be just sometimes a trickle or a drip? The promise is readily available to every believer, and it's far more expansive, believe it or not, than the fourth beatitude. Remember what the fourth beatitude says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. All right? Imagine the bowl that's just filled. All right? So this is going further than that. And sometimes we pray that, you know, that I will be filled with your spirit. But God had a greater plan, that it would outflow. Rivers of living water talk about a flow that can't be stopped. It's uncontainable. You know, we were doing some renovations, at, and it was Christmas Eve. We were going to go to church on Christmas Day, and of course the shops are shut and we were doing these renovations late at night. And I just decided that I would move our bench, which was now in the middle of our living room because they'd taken all the walls away, and I'd just move it a bit so I could do some flooring underneath it. And I just by doing that, I broke the pipe, the water pipe. So this is at midnight at night. There was water just gushing up to the ceiling, all right? And, you know, you're trying to stop that, run out and get the water turned off and the ceiling's all wet and there's water everywhere. And I'm thinking, you know, to turn that back on for the morning for showers, I've got to somehow find out how I can, can, I can fix that. And so we looked around and, you know, got some clamps and we, we got it clamped off and, you know, all that stuff. And we hadn't washed the ceiling for ages, but, you know, you had to do that as well. <laughs> but the pressure out of that had to be stopped. And that's the point. The pressure that should be coming out of us would need to be tapped because that is there. So which one am I? If I was to challenge myself, which one are you? Are you a no-pressure person? There's no pressure coming out of your valve. Are you a low-pressure person? All right, the last house we were in, the water was low-pressure. When you got in the shower, you, you, it was so low, you, the water didn't even hit the floor after it landed on you, you know? <laughs> we used to apologize to all our guests and say, well, sorry, we're, in, you know, we're on low pressure. Or we're a high-pressure person, and I'm not talking about your blood pressure, you know? But what sort of pressure are you? Whatever pressure, all right, God promises us the best the best pressure. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what he promises. Is this your experience? You are so full, you are overflowing. Look around the room and pick off the people that you just know are overflowing by the Spirit. It just gushes out of them. 
you know? Look at yourself and say, it just gushes out of me all the time, this river of living water. Okay. So I'm going to hammer this point today because we can come in here as low pressure. But if we don't go out of here at the end of the message with a desire to be high pressure, it was a wasted message. And it was wasted Jesus coming, in a way, because he promises it, and that's what should be happening. That's how the Holy Spirit gets out into the community, through high-pressure Christians, rivers of living water. In a conversation with a Samaritan woman at Jacob's well in Samaria, Jesus said, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I give him will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him will become in him a spring of water, what does it say? Welling up to eternal life. Now, we know that and we want it. Lord, I just want that refreshing. Give me that refreshing. Fill me, dear Lord, with your spirit. You know, I love that refreshing. But hey, hang on a minute. It just it says welling up. So what's that ref- spring supposed to do? You ever been to a spring? It's, it's gushing out. So we actually cap it. We actually limit it. We just ask for it for ourselves. And so we, very, we cap the very thing the Holy Spirit is wanting to do, escape from us, come out of us. The, the, the spring that keeps on giving forever, never running dry. That should be us. Just going to show another a picture up there just to, just to bump the person beside you if they've fallen asleep. Say there's more pictures up. So here in Jordan, if you want to go to Jordan, not 2008, but anyway, in near Petra, um, there's Moses' spring here. And they, this is a, Wadi Musi actually means the valley uh, of Moses. And this is where he is supposed to have spoken to the rock, or supposed to have spoken to the rock, but he beat it, of course, crucifying Christ twice, which God wasn't very happy with. And that's a point about, you know, him dying for our sins as well. But anyway, that's another story. And out of here, they are still gathering water. In fact, so much water comes out of the spring that it is running down the road. So if you see this left picture there, you can see some feet just underneath the other picture. That's the front. You can see the pillars to the front of that there. So that stream is running down the road. It just runs down the road. It's just continually. Is that the picture of you? (laughs) And faith. That's right. So... That's, you, that's us. We're refreshing the people in ourselves, but we're refreshing others. And there's so much water we can't contain it, and it's running off down the street. That's who you and I should be. Are we? Put up your hand. No, don't. <laughs> Do we want to be that? Do we want to be like the spring of Moses? And we just make a difference. People come running for water. All the different photos you can look on Facebook. I took a photo of an Arab guy coming in and taking a, you know, getting his bottles filled while we were there. You know, but just you can go on YouTube and get lots of them. It's refreshing people. Have you ever heard the term aquifer? You know what an aquifer is. It's interesting. I, I actually learned something here because I thought it was a spring. I thought it was the spring. 
But an aquifer is actually an underground layers of rock that are saturated with water that can be brought to the surface through natural springs or through pumping. So it's the spring or the pump that attaches, gets connected to the aquifer and then the water comes out. Now just think about yourself and tell the person next to you that you are an aquifer. Because it describes us as believers. We have a natural body with a spiritual supply in us, which we either let out or we camp. So it's in us. When we ask Christ to come into us, we have that aquifer in us. In the upper room on the night he was betrayed, Jesus said to his disciples, I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you. Now you know this story. Forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for what? He lives with you and will be in you. So the spirit is in us and with us at the same time. The Holy Spirit lives with us, ever-present, and lives in us, unfortunately, largely untapped and unused. You'd agree? The same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in us, lives in me. You've got to say that. He lives in me. Raised Christ from the dead. Please, put up your hand if you've raised somebody from the dead. You mean in a room this size, nobody's done that? We've got a way to go. You ever thought about that at a funeral? You just like to go up and just see the person raised from the dead? Have you looked in the mirror with some mornings and think you've got to raise somebody from the dead? <laughs> None of us are called to be dead sea, dead water Christians. The Dead Sea, there is no outlet, as you know. There's no flowing out. The, the River Jordan flows into it. There's no outlet. It's a Dead Sea. We are all called to be doers and goers, springs of living water. When we do and when we go, the rivers flow. I made that up. All right, but who remembers this song? I wish I could sing. Come on, let's have a go at this one. There's a river of life flowing out from me. Makes the lame to walk and the <laughs> Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life flowing out through me. Now, is that true? Was it true in the revival back in the 60s and 70s? Is it true now? No, it's not. Put your name in there and tell me if there's a, you're making the lame to walk, the blind to see. Are you opening prison doors? Are you setting captives free? We've got to get going. We're missing it. There's a river of life flowing out from me. That was a very prophetic song. It was a truthful song because that's what was happening. This is what the church needs to be doing. Now, this old song, it was old school, but this is, 
the reality that we need to step into. Don't you agree? Let's have the next um, portion. Okay, here we go. We'll start off at the top. There's a river of life flowing out through me. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Opens prison doors, sets the captives free. There's a river of life through me. Spring up, oh well, deep in my soul. Spring up, help me out please. Make me whole. Spring up, oh well, and give to me a life abundantly. So you see, so there's the two things. One is the Spirit comes out, but also it refreshes us. That's the whole purpose of the Holy Spirit. Amen? We might hear that more of that one. <laughs> cringe, cringe, people are saying, but we... we <laughs> if it's not in our spirit, we're not doing it, if you know what I mean. It's, it's, it's there. The song is so true. The river is in us. It flows through us. It reaches others through us. It reaches the community through us. It's not going to reach the community any other way. And whomever and wherever the river flows, it produces nourishment, healing, restoration, provision, and the, which is the very character of God. How do we get the character of God out into the community if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to get there? There's a visual picture of this found in chapter 47 in the book of Ezekiel. Ezekiel was a prophet of God who lived in exile in Babylon about 586 BC. He was a man of deep faith recording this vision of a river flowing from within the temple of God. And so I'm going to pick up from about verse 7. Okay. The man brought me back to the entrance of the temple, and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. I've actually just done that picture a little bit different there, so you've got Minecraft again. I'm trying to connect with the young people, of course, speak their language. He then brought me out through the north gate and led me round the outside of the outer gate facing east, and the water was flowing from the south side. He asked me, Son of man, do you see this? When I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. He said to me, When it empties into the sea, the water there becomes fresh. Swarms of living creatures will live wherever the river flows. Now just think about your life. This is your life. This is you as a Christian in the community, all right? This is what happens when we let the Holy Spirit out. Next slide. There will be, a, be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor their fruit fail. Every month they will bear, because the water from the sanctuary flows to them. Their fruit will serve for food, and their leaves for healing. 
This is a picture of you and me when we allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us, when we allow it to be uncorked, you might say. I'm just picturing you all with a, with a cork on your head, all right? <laughs> all right? I think you've got to take the cork out and let your brains blow out, you know, because that's what's getting in the way. If, if, the, if the Spirit of God is in your innermost being and in here, there's something stopping it, and it's your brain. You know what I'm saying? We're stopping the Holy Spirit flowing through us, the power, the majesty, the provision, the creation of the Holy Spirit from us. This is a mark it or, or just write it on your hand, Ezekiel 47, say, is this happening to me? This is a good picture of the Holy Spirit, whether flowing from a church like us here or a Christian body or organization or through a believer. It shows that the borders of the river, the body or person flourishes and the recipient or receiver of our faith actions, the faith actions that we take will also do well. So actually, when you let the river flow, you will do better yourself when you let the river flow. You contain it you'll get a measure. You let it flow, you will actually do better. Your life will be healthier. You will see more provision. You will see greater things than you've ever imagined, but you have to let the Holy Spirit flow. And that's the difficult part. The Lord wants to bless us and those we touch, no matter how dry or arid we feel. He's in you. It doesn't matter whether you sin or don't sin. He's in you and just wants to be let out. In Isaiah, God tells us, the Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. See, I told you I was going to hammer home the point. He's, he's promising that you, your garden will do well. Your people will rebuild and the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will be called repairer of broken walls. And some of you, I know in here, have got a ministry for that. But you will see a greater measure when you realize the power of the Holy Spirit in you. Restorer of streets with dwellings. That's a promise to us as the church. This is a promise to you. Some of you have started down this track, but you've got a lot more to go and a greater measure to go. When we look at the altar call here, we may get two or three people a month. When you're effectively working in the community as God wants you to be working, and me too, they will be up here every week. So this altar call here is a measure of the church's effort in the community, you might say, with the Holy Spirit. So when we don't see souls, then we need to look at ourselves and say, have I allowed the Holy Spirit to flow through me today, this week? You know what I mean? This is the measure. We open the doors, we lift his name up, and he says, I'll draw all men unto him. And people will come in. But we've got to reflect on this and say, did I do my part this week? 
Don't just come along and say, that was a great message, Pastor, and don't change. Well, that was a terrible message, Pastor. I don't mind. At least you listened. (laughs) All right? The measure is who's standing in the front here, and that's all of our responsibility. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or have always gone to church or that you are new to the faith, this offer is for everyone who will believe. Come to Jesus and drink. No one is excluded. The offer is a free gift. You don't have to work for it or earn it. You only have to believe and want it. Jesus said those who believe. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is available to all who believe. Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Maybe you're wondering, if the Holy Spirit lives in me, then why I don't experience the rivers of living water inside me and flowing from me? Why is my life more accurately described as a trickle of water, not a river? All right, I think we've got to be honest. We've got to say there's a lot of trickling going on, all right? Scripture teaches us that we must learn to walk in the Holy Spirit to experience His fullness. Paul tells us, but I say walk by the Spirit. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. It's a partnership, but the Holy Spirit never, never forces us. To walk by the Spirit means that each day, in every situation, we yield ourselves to Him, trusting Him to work through us, listening, this is a hard part, listening to His ideas, small or big. Paul said, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. Think about that. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. You are not going to see the power of the resurrection in your life until you let that power out. You can come and watch it. You can come and watch it. You can watch it on telly. You can watch the power. But if you want to see it in your life, the power of his resurrection, you've got to let that flow. Amen? God's plan is so awesome, but I think we as a church are missing out. If we can come to a place where we actually believe God's Word and believe that the river of God is within within us, then the possibilities are limitless. Does anybody actually see this? Has anybody actually caught this? It's in here. It's within us. The Holy Spirit is within you. Put your hand on your tummy. And just tell yourself, the Holy Spirit is in me in the fullness. He's absolutely in me. Some of you look like he's more in you than others, but putting your hand on your tummy. Sorry, that went over the top. But anyway, some of you are full of the Holy Spirit. We're all full of the Holy Spirit, but we've got to let him out. It's about going about our daily lives with a creative, restorative, healthy view of ourselves and of God's creation. Pastor Tark mentioned last week, he said that, you know, from 1 Timothy, do not neglect the gift that was in you. So it's almost like we can just neglect it. There's a gift in us. 
And it's as simple as this. I'll, t I'll just read you a story. It's a scripture story. This is how simple it is to allow it to flow. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Now, a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. Have we ever wished that we could be like Peter and John? But what did he have that we don't have? We have what he had, Christ living in him. What I have, I give you. Now, if we could just grasp that, it's enormous. Whether it be money, whether it be healing, whether it just be love, whether it be time, you know, what we have, we give you. We're so miserly, I think. We're so mean. We hang on to what God has given us, but we've got to give it away and let that river flow. Christ blesses us with abundant rivers of living water. Amen? He does. Not only so we can live a fully refreshed life, no matter our circumstances, no matter our situation, but that we can also be a source of blessing to others, as I've made my point, I think. Jesus told us in Luke, your Father in heaven will give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So I say to you, Jesus said, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. He who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, the door will be opened to you. If you want the power of the Holy Spirit to flow through you, and I'm hoping that everybody in this room does, then we've just got to ask. I was praying there this morning when I was worshiping, and I was saying, because I'm trying to challenge myself with this message. And it was flowing. Now, I'm not saying it happened this morning because I was praying, but I stepped into that. And I'm thankful, John, that you just took control at the end there and just brought that. And that anointing, you know, was there. So combined with the worship, you guys, with just that, you know, encouraging us as well, you know, together that spirit flowed. And we should hunger for that. We miss out if we don't get that. So there's a prayer here, and we're going to pray, but we're going to read it first. There's, um, there's some scriptures here that I've altered a little bit so that we can help pray it. But it says, may the God of hope, this is from uh, Romans, may the God of hope fill me with all joy and peace as I trust in God so that I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. What does this community need? Hope. That I may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Is that worth praying? May the Lord make my love increase and overflow for others 
and for everyone the Lord directs to me. So you can see I've just altered that a little bit, but those two scriptures need to be in your, uh, in your notes because that's going to make a change. We're going to see a change through this. If the musos could come up, that would be really good. I want to see the rivers of life flow through me. And I realized when I was writing this that it's in me. It's actually in me. It's in you. But we're the ones that stop it from flowing. 